The wound is not my fault, but the healing is my responsibility. My name is Andrea, and this is Adult Child. Welcome back to Adult Child, where we take a deep dive into the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family. Ahoy, my dear shit shows. For any new listeners, my name is Andrea. I have a cold, so I sound a little bit different than normal. Um, I am a total shit show. I am a recovering alcoholic, and I'm an adult child, which I figured out, I guess it's been about eight years now. And so this is a podcast where we talk about what it means to be an adult child of an alcoholic or dysfunctional family, and that there is absolutely nothing shameful or embarrassing about that. There are millions of us out there. Uh, So welcome aboard this hot mess of a ship. You're in the right place. So today, we are diving deep with friend of the pub, friend of the pub, friend of the pub, friend of the pod, Barb Nangle. So Barb has, I guess this may be her her third or her fourth appearance. Barb is a boundaries coach. She is a fellow shit show. And she actually facilitates a monthly workshop within the shit show community. So every third Monday of the month, Barb hosts a an hour uh, long workshop uh, on various topics. So, so far we've had... Uh, the one she just did this last week was change your perspective, cultivating an attitude of gratitude. She did one called uh, feelings, emotional sobriety, and boundaries. Another one called boundaries of self-containment and self-protection. Uh, what to do when you just can't forgive. So a lot of great topics. And she always provides a ton of um, additional like resources, ha- handouts, suggested readings, suggested podcasts. Barb knows her shit. So I asked her to come back on the podcast. So over the past year in group, in the shit show groups, Barb's has been sharing about her journey of connecting with her inner family. So her inner child, her inner teenager, her inner critical parent. And uh, it's it's been quite profound. So you will get to hear all about that today. So let's get the damn show on the road. But first... Let's talk about why you, yes, you, need to damn the join shit show. So this is the place to be, folks. This is where we heal and grow, but this is also where we don't take ourselves too seriously. This is also where you can find your tribe. And so for the person who has been wanting to join for forever, uh, here's my next way of enticing you to damn the join shit show. I'm having a Black Friday special. So if you join the community sometime between now and Saturday, you will get a custom shit show mug. I mean, come on, who who the fuck doesn't need a, a mug? So damn the join shit show, see the link in my bio. Um, on top of that, I'm also having a, uh, a Black Friday merch sale. So I have some fabulous merch that for some reason I don't really promote and I should. Uh, but we have hoodies, sweatshirts, candles, mugs, all the things. We have, you know, uh, shit show merch. We have inner child merch. We have uh, codependent AF merch, recovering people pleaser merch. So much good shit is on there. And so if, so if you have people in your life that you need to buy recovery gifts for, it's a one-stop shop for all of your recovery gifts. So if you are somebody that has to buy gifts for sponsees or for whomever that is in recovery, can you please do a girl a damn favor and do your shopping on uh, on my merch store, adultchild.com slash shop, or I also will include it in the show notes. So 10% discount on everything. Use code um, adultchild10, and then a 15% discount uh, on orders greater than $80. And that is adultchild15. I will include these in 
in the show notes. And then for anyone in the di- uh, in the community, in the shit show, y'all are getting um, 20% off any orders over 40 bucks. And I will include the code for y'all within uh, the community. How about you help a girl out and buy some damn merch? Uh, next, give me a little follow on the Insta on the TikTok at Adult Child Pod. And last but not least, give me a five-star rating on Apple, on Spotify. Thank you. Love you all. It's a family affair. She's back, folks. Barb Nangle, host of Fragmented to Whole podcast. Uh, also the CEO of Higher Power Coaching, your boundaries coach. Is that how, still how we're guilty? Yeah. I think boundaries coach is better. Nobody gives a fuck about higher power coach. They don't know what that means. Boundary. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got their higher power. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Here's where I want to go. Over the past year, you have had some really profound experiences with connecting to your inner family. Uh, and so I'd love, there's been so many experiences and stories that you've shared in group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was hoping that you could kind of talk about what that experience has been like and yeah. where it started. I can't even remember where it started. Well, it started with Susan Anderson oh, yeah. on your show. Yeah. So okay. another plug for your show. So, and you're, so we're plugging your show. We're plugging Susan Anderson. We're plugging the shit show community. Yes. By the way, let me tell you something. The workshop last night was fucking amazing. I can't wait to watch. So good because there were hopeless people who were having joy and smiling. It was so good. I love that. I can't wait to wait to watch. Have you put the replay up yet? No, I haven't. No, I I downloaded it, but I haven't put it up yet. So I should be able to get to it today. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Inner family. Susan Anderson. Yes. This is when you're talking about the outer child. Yes, precisely. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So you want me to just launch in right now? Yeah. Okay. How about it? So um, when I heard her say the outer child, I didn't, I was like, I have no fucking idea what that means, but it sparked my interest. And the, what I remember getting out of the episode was if you want to repair the damage or the relationship with your inner child, you need to make consistent conscious contact with your inner child. And you need to make small promises that you keep. So not, so it's something like, I'm going to go for a five minute walk, not I'm going to climb Mount Everest or get a PhD. So at the time, the only way that I knew how to make conscious contact with my inner child was through the non-dominant handwriting. So I made a commitment to myself that I would do that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights. And even if it's just for a couple minutes. And so I also went and bought a really fucking adorable little inner child journal. And um, I started doing that and I took to heart, make small promises. So like getting the journal was a small promise. And then um, I had a situation where this one night, I remember it was a Friday night, I, I don't, I don't remember what happened that night, but I woke up in the middle of the night in fucking terror, absolute terror. And I don't remember how I handled it, but then all of a sudden I had this cascade of like memories slash understanding that every single job I've ever had before recovery either involved trauma or some kind of really serious drama. In other words, the way that I get money includes trauma. And so I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I never made that realization again. And I, I did some work with the workplace laundry list from the big red uh-huh, book, uh-huh. Like chapter something 14 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But when I got up in the morning, so I did go back to sleep when I got up in the morning, I decided that I was going to write to my inner child. Like what, like, tell me about money. And she was like, it scares the shit out of me. I don't want to know. I don't know what I'm doing about it. And I was like, here's the thing. You don't have to know anything and you don't have to do anything because that's my job. And then she was like, well, you know what? I want an allowance. And I was like, okay. And so we negotiated $5 a week. And then she was like, and I also want you to take me shopping every week to spend it. Because when I was a kid, Andrea, I was the kind, not just when I was a kid, for much of my life, 
that phrase burning money burning a hole in your pocket made for me like i mm-hmm. could not fucking hold on to my money as a kid did and you I, get an allowance as a kid i did but i don't remember any details about it okay. but i also here's another interesting thing when i was 11 I felt compelled to have an income. And at the time you had to be 12 to have a paper route. So I convinced mm. my brother who was older than me to share it with me to this day. I know there's something profound there, but I don't understand why I felt the need to have my own income at the age of 11. And I feel like actually Tiffany's probably going to help me with that. Cause I'm going to start doing some coaching with her. In January. Yeah, awesome. Um, but I, so I said to her, yeah, I'm not taking you shopping like every week. We'll, we'll do it monthly. So the first thing that I bought that she bought slash I bought was this teeny tiny, I wish I had thought to grab it. Um, this teeny tiny little purse, but it's made out of blue fur and Mm. it's adorable. So I started giving her $5 every week and then, um, and I would buy like little, I don't even remember, like little things like at the dollar store and stuff like that. Well, then one time she wanted to buy something that was like $25. So I was like, I have to explain the whole, well, that means you're going to go five weeks without an allowance and all this stuff. But it was like, I was doing these little things mm. her, and I was continuing to make conscious contact. And so through the non-dominant handwriting. And what that meant was that my relationship with her got more sort of fleshed out. And then I started being able to make conscious contact with her just by thinking about her. And then my inner teenager sort of appeared and I started having a relationship with her And started realizing that a lot of the anxiety that I would have was from her, Mm. not necessarily my inner child. Mm -hmm. And and, um, I also, one day, all of a sudden, this woman appeared in these visualizations that I would have with my inner child and my inner teenager. How were you doing this? Were you, was this like you were sitting down and meditating or is this happening in your sleep? No, not in my sleep. It was, and I wouldn't call it meditating. I would be like, I just like either I was having a feeling. And so I closed my eyes and checked in with myself Uh or uh I decided this is the time to make conscious contact. So often like in the morning before I got started or in the, at night Mm -hmm. before I went to sleep and stuff. But occasionally if it happened, like one time I was in the woods, um, I'll tell you about that. And I remember that. Like, like I was like, oh, I need to sit down and do this right now. So anyway, this woman just appears one day and it it was just evident to me that she was my inner critical parent. And I I have such a visual on her and I sort of feel like she was a character in a movie or something. Like, cause I know like exactly what she looks like. So she's got wicked straight, thick, um um brown hair she's white lady she has these crazy looking glasses on she smokes cigarettes she wears red lipstick she's pretty thin she's trying to like dress young and all this stuff and then like three weeks into interacting with her all of a sudden i know that her name is irene i don't know how i yeah, know irene yes irene so Irene is my inner <laughs> critical parent but what's interesting and i just had a conversation about this with a sponsor that for the longest time, this notion of inner critical parent just never resonated with me. What resonated with me is the way that it talks about in like in AA and OA, which is I have a disease. Mm-hmm. My disease wants me dead. And if it can't have me dead, it will settle for me fucking suffering. Mm. That resonated with me. So for me, all the inner critical shit was like, that's my disease talking to me. So the fact that this like inner critical parent sort of came on the scene was like completely different for me. Now, mind you, I've, this started happening at the beginning of this beginning of this year. I can talk. April was the eight year anniversary in ACA. So I've been doing this shit for a while. So this is like, like I would hear people talk about all these like really varied and full color and all kinds of character inner child stuff. And I was just like, this is just no not what you're talking about. Yeah. Like I yeah. just, you know, like I'm uh-huh. aware that I have an inner child. That's about as far as it goes. So now I have this inner family 
that is full-blown and I have interactions with them with my inner child I would say way vast majority of the time she's like playing on the floor Mm -hmm. okay so we're going to add another wrinkle to this so I have this experience through a meditation that had nothing to do with adult child stuff where we were getting in touch with our dark parts or our shadow side. So this is through Emily Fletcher, my meditation teacher, Ziva Meditation. And I have this experience where I visualize that um, I have this thing on me that is constricting me. And the only way I know how to describe it is I'm going to call it a rib jacket because it's a jacket like is in kind of like in the shape of ribs, like there's spaces in between it. And it's made of this old crusty, nasty beige falling apart leather. And my parents are there and they're like, listen, we did not mean this to happen. First of all, Mm -hmm. we didn't mean to pass this down to you. And second of all, that rib jacket it's on inside out because the love is on the outside and the love was supposed to be on the inside Mm -hmm. it was like oh my god holy shit so all of a sudden it falls off of me and it shatters on the ground because it's old nasty Mm -hmm. crusty like leather stuff and all of a sudden my parents have these garden hose and they start pulverizing it into powder and then somehow I get some liquid and I mix it with this powder and I rub it I know this is insane I don't know what any of this means I rub it on me and all this stuff Well, then my mom gives me this big, wonderful, delicious hug, Mm -hmm. very loving. And my father does the same. Now, both of my parents are deceased. I may have hugged my father in my life. I don't have any recollections of that, but there was none of that shit going on. And I was like, whoa, completely new experience with my dad. So that was like, wow. And so... I text a friend of mine who's kind of like a coach and I tell her briefly this and she says, your parents are protecting you from the other side. And I was like, Mm -hmm. whoa, what? My parents are protecting me. So like you, Andrea, I did not have like this egregious situation in my family where I was being, getting the shit beat out of me or being told I was a piece of shit. My stuff was way more subtle, but the dysfunction came from my parents. So if there was anybody that I needed to be quote protected from, it was them. Mm -hmm. So the idea that my parents were protecting me from the other side, was just like earth shattering and amazing. And like, whoa, uh, so I believe in life after death. And I believe there's a lot more going on over there than here and all that. So that was just profound for me. So a few days later, like three or four days later, there's a reading in the ACA strengthening my recovery. And it says something about a person without arms cannot hug you. Hmm. And it, and I've read it every year. It's just struck me in this really deep way that like my father metaphorically didn't have arms and couldn't hug me. Okay. I just Mm. put that together, that it was also about arms and that my thing, my dad did in a few days previous to that was a hug. So that's amazing. Arms. (laughs) So I was like, holy shit. So I start crying And I close my eyes and I put my palms in my hands crying. And I start to go into this visualization, not purposeful, with my dad. And Mm. he's like, I'm so fucking sorry. Like, I was just not able to be there for you in the ways that you needed to be. And I was like, holy shit, this is really amazing. And the next night, I go to my loving parent guidebook group. And we're having a conversation and one of my fellow travelers says something about how she's been soothing her feelings rather than feeling her feelings. And I was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I've been doing is that. So, for example, what I mean concretely is I often get a feeling of a weight on my chest and I can't catch my breath. So what I do is whatever I have to do to catch my breath. And it's mostly physiologically. 
So I do like a longer exhale. You know, I might do some calming thoughts in my head, but I'm like soothing the feeling rather than feeling like what is going on here. Mm. Now, at the same time, I became aware through my recovery that much of my life I was resisting my feelings and that resistance is way worse. The impact of the resistance is way worse than actually feeling the feelings. So I don't know if I backslid into old behavior or if this is just more development in learning to manage my feelings. Mm -hmm. So I start more checking in with the inner family when I feel the pressure on the chest, addressing whatever the issue is and feeling the feelings and soothing the feelings. And the same meeting where she said that, whatever discussion we got into led me to the idea like, wait, what if I can have this new inner loving dad that I've encountered as an inner loving parent. Holy shit, Andrea, I cannot tell you how powerful this has been. So what I have done is I've taken that inner loving dad and reparented myself through three specific traumatic incidents in my life. So this is the thing I mentioned earlier about I was in the woods So I went to go for a walk in Edgewood Park here in New Haven. It was like, literally, as soon as my foot hit the trail, I felt like crying. And I was like, what is this? And so most of my life, I've been like, why the fuck are you crying? Because that's what my dad said. Like, do you want me to give you a reason to cry? But now I've learned I'm going to connect with my inner child. So I find this tree that has this nice little space in the roots. And I sit down and I like wedge in the tree. And I decide like, it's the middle of the day. It's somebody could walk by. I don't give a fuck. This is what I need to do. So I connect with my inner child and I'm like, what is going on? And she was like, you know, like I have to talk to dad. So I call on my inner loving dad and I decide that I am going to talk to him about this incident from when I was a child where he decided that it was time for me to ride my bike without the training wheels. And I was not ready. So I was seven years old, which in my childhood, in my neighborhood was ancient in learning how to ride a bike without, without training wheels. And he In my mind, like every kid in the neighborhood was there. I don't know, but I know that there was kids there and my brother was there and he put me on the bike Mm. out the training wheels and he pushed me and I was not ready and I freaked out and I, my hands were like up in the air. So of course, you know, you're not holding out the handlebars. I fell over and I remember landing and the handlebars went my back and I was crying and I was hysterical. My mom came running out of the house. And it was super traumatic. And to add to the trauma, for years, my older brother made fun of me about that Mm -hmm. and said, you were like, "Eh, it's occurring. And of course you're going to wipe out because your hands aren't on. It was like, he had no fucking compassion for me as a little girl. So here's what I did in the reparenting. I went to my new loving dad, or he came to me and said, it's time for you to take the training wheels off. And I was like, I'm not ready. And he said, I know that you think that you're not ready, but I know that you're ready. So we, I don't remember the details, but we decided that we were going to go to the parking lot behind the elementary school, just him and me. And he literally said, you can do this. I know that you can do this. I believe in you. And he held onto the back of my bike and walked around in circles with me until I could do it by myself. And I got to have the joy of learning how to ride my bike with the support of a loving father. And it was amazing. And he got to experience the joy of supporting his daughter to do something that he believed she could do. Oh my God, I'm having like all this energy go through my body. So then we go home and he says, I have an idea. I think that we should show 
we should surprise all the kids in the neighborhood to show them that you know how to ride a bike. And I was like, oh my God, that would be great. And so I got to surprise all the kids in my neighborhood and show them that I could ride a bike. And so Andrea, I changed my relationship with myself. I changed my relationship with my father. I changed my relationship with my brother. I changed my relationship with all of those kids in the neighborhood. Like I recast my past in this incredible way. And like I've said this before about my recovery in ACA, which is I feel like my fucking DNA has changed. Well, mm. like I literally feel like my DNA has changed. Now. I changed my past. I changed what my past meant to me. And I've also done this with a couple of other incidents that, you know, if we have time, I can go into them if you'd like. But I want to say another thing that has been really profound in the parenting, the reparenting department, and that is with Irene. Irene. <laughs> so at one point, she likes to catastrophize and especially about money and be like, you know, like, what are the 17,000 million things that are going to go wrong and all this kind of shit? So one day I was like, listen, Irene, question, what would you be doing? If you weren't catastrophizing and she goes, you know, I've always been interested in bonsai trees. And I was like, really? Now, Andrea, I don't give a fuck about bonsai trees. I don't know anything about them. I'm like, okay, good for you. How about if you do some research on bonsai trees? So the next few times when I was doing stuff with my inner family, she's over in the corner. It's like she's sitting at a desk. She's flipping through a magazine. And this is her. She's like, fascinating. These fascinating. <laughs> trees are fascinating. Like, I don't know what that is. I don't care. And it just happened. I didn't decide this is what she's going to do. I just asked her, what would you be doing? And then gave her permission to do it. Another time. She's flipping out. And I'm like, Irene, you know, I know that you are doing this because you're trying to protect me. And I so appreciate you. You've been amazing. The fact that I am like 60 years old, I made it this far. Like you are so responsible for so much of this. And I so appreciate you. But you're not alone anymore. You do not have to do all this alone. You've got me. Like I'm actually grown up now. We've got my inner loving parent, big mama. We've got this new inner loving dad. And then I have all my like celestial characters and stuff. You've got like a committee. And she literally was like, oh, oh my God. Like this huge sense of relief. And she's like so backed off. And then another thing I did when she was flipping out one time, I was like, listen, I know that you are doing all this to protect the inner children. But do you understand that you're scaring the fuck out of them? And she was like, oh, oh my God, really? So I have to tell you, like those three like interventions I had with her have had a profound effect on her. And of course, subsequently on me and my inner children. I will tell you that nowadays, most of the time, any anxiety or whatever I have, turns out it's from my inner teenager and it's because she's still figuring out she doesn't have to be in charge. She doesn't know how to not be in charge. But much of the time, Irene is wearing one of those big kind of floppy hats. She's sitting on like a chaise lounge next to a pool and like flipping through magazines and just chilling. It's just uh, incredible. Like when I check in whether she's like, I'm good, I'm good. Now, about my inner teenager, I just had an insight uh, this morning that I want to share with you. Please. So I bought this kit to, it's like a cutout of a gingerbread house and it's like you stencil paint it. And I'm like so excited to do it because like I will actually do that. Like I want to do it. I love doing craft things. I will do it. And I told her that after the shit show workshop that I did last night, that we were going to work on that. Well, 
I realized that there was something for my business that I didn't do. So I'm doing this Black Friday special and I didn't have all the tech stuff set up for it. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. fuck, like, I have to do this right now. So I finish at 10, 15 and I'm like, you know, I don't want to like pull out a whole craft thing and start it because I have to did it, did it, it. So I decide I'm going to watch TV. I'm watching um the what, good what, witch. what were you watching the good witch okay. the good witch so i watched all What's the movies that? and now i'm watching it on um netflix the series so it's a hallmark series about uh, a woman a modern day good witch and i love it cuz it's you know there's no shitty stuff that happens and i like you know i like hallmark because no bad shit happens and but they also like have direct communication and people break up with each other and they don't slam doors and all that stuff. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I watch that and I go to bed and I do my rituals and I wake up this morning with feeling like there's something on my chest. I'm like, what is going on here? And I check in with my inner child. Oh, here's another thing about her. Uh, for most of the time I've been reparenting her, it's this version of me that I'm like three. I have, this is the picture that I've like reparented myself with. And then all of a sudden one day it's this other version of me. That's a picture of me when I'm four. And then one day she's got ponytails and I go, Oh, did mom do that? She's like, no, dad, dad did the ponytails. I was like, Oh my God. Oh, I forgot. This is so important about my no inner loving dad. He told me that he went to heaven to get reparenting lessons. And oh, I was yeah, like, oh, oh my God, I bet they have the best reparenting lessons mm-hmm. in, in heaven. Like, oh my God. So Does he look like your dad? Yeah, he's my dad. He's my actual okay. dad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, so then my inner child, like one day, not only does she have ponytails, she's wearing these plastic black glasses. And I was like, I didn't know you were glasses. She's like, they're fake. And I go, oh, are, do you mean they're a fashion statement? And she was like, what's that? And I'm like, it's when you wear something just to make, you know, just for the fashion sense of it. And she goes, these are glasses like Barbie has. Cause I have a Barbie doll that I did a whole better boundaries and Barbie campaign. And one of the yes. outfits came with glasses. She's like, they're like Barbie's glasses. I go, oh, it's a fashion statement. So, um, she is just appearing uh, like she's gotten like a little bit older and she's appearing in these different visual things. Like I'm not making this happen. It's just sort of happening. So um, I think I might've lost my train of where I was going with all that with, I, I was uh, talking about, oh, talking oh, about my inner teenager. Okay. So I wake up this morning, I check in with my inner child. She is yet again, has a new appearance. She's got one ponytail in the back and she's got this like blue and green plaid thing on. And I'm like, I would never wear something like that, but whatever, she likes it. And she's like, I'm good. And um, I'm good. (laughs) She's so she actually often refers to as teen Barb as her big sister. Mm -hmm. And another thing is she sometimes calls me, um, mom barb mom which is i love that she calls me mom barb mom mom barb mom (laughs) mom barb mom i don't know why that that just tears me up but i just love it it's just beautiful it's like she's we're making our own real family and relationship and shit just evolves in real life like it does in real families so i check in with my inner teen and she is fucking pissed because i didn't do the gingerbread house thing last night she was Mm -hmm. like you know what you're just like dad. Mm. And it made me think of you, Andrea, how you, when you had your feeling and you was like, this is a feeling that I had with your inner child told you you're giving me the mm. feeling like mom. And I'm like, Oh fuck. I'm just like dad. Cause my dad was a workaholic. My dad had his own business. And I was like, Oh shit. So I said, okay, I have made promises to you that I cannot keep. I don't yet know how I'm going to handle that. I'm really sorry. I will tell you right now, we're putting a pause on any promises to you. We'll see what we're going to do with that. Um, so I want to tell you something else. Another reparenting situation I had with my inner child, because it's going to connect to this. It's about playing, having fun. So a few weeks ago, 
Um, I did a reparenting session and my inner child was super fucking scared. I don't remember the details. And I just remember telling her, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be scared. And I said to her, you know what? I'm scared too. And it's okay that I'm scared and you're scared, but we're going to be scared together. Cause that's the thing is I would like abandon myself in the past when I was scared, like not allow myself. So she's like crying and sobbing and I get her to start saying, it's okay to be scared. 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 And she's crying. And like, I'm literally crying. Like as an adult person, somebody on the outside would be like, Barb is crying. But internally it's my inner child crying. And when she's done crying, she goes, you know, I really wanted dad to like me. And I really wanted dad to be proud of me. And I really wanted dad to play with me. So Andrea, I think I probably knew I wanted my dad to like me. I a hundred percent knew I wanted my dad to be proud of me, but I had no idea that I wanted my father to play with me. Like that wasn't mm -hmm. even in my awareness. Mm -hmm. It was on the other side of all of those tears mm -hmm. and that fear of being afraid. Like it's okay to be scared. So that was a revelation that I want my dad to play and have fun with me. So I've taken that into my reparenting and tried to play and have fun with my dad. So coming back to this morning, realizing you're just like dad. Mm. Not only are you a workaholic, you're not playing and having fun with me. And I was like, ah, Jesus. But this is such good information because I can act on it now. And so I get to decide what am I going to do? Because this was not the first time that I have told her we're going to do a specifically a crafty kind of thing. But what I did do last night and this morning was I got my make more work less workbook from Tiffany and there's places in there to color with it. And I got my color pencils and I did some coloring. So like, that's a way that I, I didn't do the thing I said I was going to do, but I did something else. So I've done a little bit to like assuage her, but I found out that I'm going to have a chunk of time on Friday that I didn't think that I was going to have. So I'm not yet ready to make a promise that we're going to do the gingerbread thing. But I, that's my plan. So I'm going to make a plan, but I'm not going to make a promise because promise is something that you don't break. You don't break. And I, you know, as a, as a, as an adult, I've always felt that way. And I've, I have not used the word promise lightly in my life with people, but here I am doing it with my inner child and it's been okay with me and it's just not okay. Mm. You know, so there's just been this, this year has been deep and profound. And I will tell you like a lot of the fears and stuff had to do with money. I've more than quadrupled my business this year. So mm -hmm. yeah, I've been doing strategy, of course. Thank you, Tiffany Carter and Ray Serrano who have been helping me with that stuff. But I think I'm able to do it because of all this inner work that I've done. I've addressed my inner child's fears and i've made promises small promises that i can keep and i've made consistent conscious contact such that i have this whole like inner world that i just didn't have before and it's like the healing is so profound that that terror that i spoke about waking up with at the beginning of the year when I had this cascade of memories about my workplace trauma and drama. I just don't have that level of terror anymore. I have like anxiety mm. sometimes, but it's little bits of anxiety. And then another thing that I have been doing, which is definitely thanks to Tiffany and other people too, is I've been getting into manifesting. And to me, like what I said to my sweetheart was, listen, even if manifesting doesn't fucking work, you're basically, instead of living into the wreckage of the future, you're living into the love and the fantasy and the joy of the future. Like who doesn't mm -hmm. want to do that? When I sit around and catastrophize, I am activating my nervous system. I'm activating the inner drugstore in this really shitty way. But when I manifest, I'm envisioning not just the events and the results that I want, but the feelings that's a huge part of manifesting is what is it that you want to feel 
So I'm living in the feeling. So I'm activating the inner drugstore on the good end. You know, so I'm living in the feelings I have when I have joy and accomplishment and, and a sense of meaning and mattering and making a difference. And man, it's a way better way to live than living into the wreckage of the future, like I've done for much of my life. I've always found it difficult as far as like producing the feelings. How does that work for you? Um, so I often envision an actual incident from my life that gave me yeah, joy. Uh -huh. What do you have yeah. something in particular that you typically yes, use? I do. And I can't wait to share it with you. So a little bit before Halloween this year, I was with my sweetheart Chuck and we were talking about what we were going to do for Halloween. And he said, oh my God, I have to show you something. So he's like a motorcycle, mopedy kind of guy and has been his whole life. And apparently he's had this like um, mechanic set of overalls for a long time. And they just sort of rose to the surface of his life again. And it's like this one piece thing that fits on the outside of your clothes and you zip it up. And it's pretty ridiculous looking, you know, it's like a big, like onesie for an adult man. And he goes, I go, that's crazy looking. Right. So he goes, wait, I have something that's, that's going to make it even better. So he goes out and he has this red motorcycle helmet. That's like really old. And it's got like a bubble uh, face mask on it. And it's red. And it's just like, there's like, it's so like, I can look at it. I don't know anything about motorcycles or helmets. That is not a safe helmet. And I start laughing because he looks ridiculous. And he goes, oh, it looks like a cherry on top. And I start laughing and I can't stop laughing. And he goes, wait, I have something that's going to make it even better. And I don't know why this comes to my mind, but I go, what, a boner? And I just picture because if he got a boner in this one piece thing, it would look so crazy. And then I start picturing like, oh, if this was his costume, like, how could you make something be in there so that it would be a boner and stay? And then I'm like, that is so fucking wrong. Like, can you imagine having little kids come to your house and you have like a fake boner in your costume? <laughs> and I can't stop laughing and I can't stop envisioning this. And I'm like, and I'm just like losing my fucking mind. And I'm like, do not tell me whatever your other idea is until I calm down from this. And he's like... And I just keep thinking these crazy ideas. So when I calm down a little bit, he goes, here's my other idea of how I could make it even worse. Because he's picturing this red helmet like it's a cherry on top. He goes, if I had a red clown collar, it could be like the whipped cream. And I just lose it more. So I'm like <laughs> picturing this adult man in this adult onesie with a boner <laughs> and a white and that helmet and I cannot fucking stop laughing so lately that is the thing that I picture every time and there's no like listen to me like I'm making you laugh right I bet there's other people laughing because this is ridiculous so now that's my go-to and I actually have some photos there's no boner in the photo there's no clown collar but I have some photos so I can literally look at them and I can get into the feeling of joy. And then I tap into that feeling and then I just carry it with me. But I also envision like, what is it going to feel like to have this enormous relief when I have a whole team of people working for me? Because I have a small team of people that are like virtual assistants and subcontractors and stuff that do things for me. And when I get to hand shit over to them that are not within my zone of genius, the amount of relief is so great because I love not having to know everything. That's a huge part of my recovery. Like when I get to say, I don't know. I cannot I tell you, it's still like a little party for me because so much of my life, it wasn't an option for me to say that. So I get to remember what it feels like to have that relief. So that's how I do the, the manifesting stuff. That's awesome. Do you, when did you, when did your parents pass? My dad died in 2018. So I was in recovery, but I was also not speaking with him. Mm -hmm. And it was a relief when he died. Uh, people were like, what are you going to do if your dad dies? I'm like, I don't know. I'll find out. And what I did was I felt relieved. My mom died in 2012, well before I got into recovery. Um, mm -hmm. And I, 
I had like a pretty good relationship with my mom. My mom was loving. She was also codependent as fuck, which is how I learned how to be so codependent. Um, my dad, I always had a really tumultuous relationship and I barely ever have any contact with my mom in terms of like reparenting and stuff. She's a very peripheral character, which is really interesting because my whole life, I always thought the worst thing that will ever happen to me is my mom dying. The worst thing that happened to me was my brother dying. Mm. He died in 2006, six years before her. Yeah, you were pretty young then, right? He was in his, what, well, 30s? no, he was 35 and I was 43. So, oh, okay. but he was quite, I mean, for a person dying, that's pretty young. Yeah, very young. But when my mom died, it just wasn't as devastating. And I think, you know, part of it is that, like, Pat was my first real close death. My first brush with, like, mortality he was eight years younger than me. So my little brother, and it just like the fact that he was so young, like all of that just made that just such a huge, huge death. Mm-hmm. And, and of course it's part of the natural course of things that our parents die before us. It's not the natural course. Yeah, your of little brother, life. exactly. Little brother who's only 35 dies. Um, and my mom was ill for, she had cancer, um, but we thought she was getting better she went through chemo and radiation. And when they did the, whatever scan they do, they were like, we're literally riddled with cancer now. So it was like, what would have happened had she not been getting radiation and chemo. And after that scan, it was three weeks that she died. Mm. And it was like, she wanted, she was like ready. Cause her, it was, so she died two days after her 73rd birthday. And so her birthday was on Friday. She was and we got her back in the hospital on Sunday. And I was like, oh, your birthday's on Friday. She goes, oh, my God, I hope I don't live that long. Like she was like done, you know, and she lived two days, two days after that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking about for myself how just trying to do this like reparenting work like the challenges of that with my parents still being alive and them being so sick. You know, it's like, I'm still like, so in it, in a sense. Yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine. I just can't. I mean, I feel like I kind of almost live in like laboratory conditions for an adult child because I'm a single woman who has no children. I do have a sweetheart, but he lives on the other side of town for me. We're living apart together. Like we're committed life partners. We're not going to combine our lives or our finances or our households. I don't have children. Uh, I really have almost no contact with my brother. I don't have an extended family. Um, I mean, I have cousins, but I don't really know them, you know, and um, both of my parents are dead. So I get, it's like, you know, if you think about a lab experiment, you take away all variables Mm -hmm. and you just do the intervention. And so I feel like, you know, I'm extremely lucky and privileged as an adult child and a person in recovery that I get to like, I get to implement things and see the impact of them on me. And then I get to share that with people. And yeah, I don't have the same circumstances, but I get to try a lot more shit that other people don't get to try. And I get to play with things and say, here's what I'm doing. Maybe you can try that. And they get to try things because I've shared with them that they can try these things, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my, I, my life is not anywhere near as complicated as many other adult children, but because of that, I get to try things and tell you about them, you know? Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. It's hard. It's like, things are worse now than they were when I was a kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, and so it's hard. It's just, it's just, um, it's insane, you know, the depth of the denial that has to exist as the disease continues to progress, you know, for people to continue to live in it Mm -hmm. is just another planet, you know, and it's just kind of this surreal experience of like, having this podcast and then, and what I'm then experiencing in present time. And, but I like how you talk about it though. You're like, I'm not going to participate in the denial and I'm I'm not going to contribute to the dysfunction. I mean, that's what you can do. That's your, your boundary is like, I'm not fucking pretending this shit ain't happening. No, you know, I'm not at a place where I'm going to be like, I'm going to have no relationship with you, you know? And so it's like figuring out how to have 
a relationship with them that works. Well, this is where the boundaries come in, Andrea, because you decide like, what are my standards? What are my limits? And then when those limits are crossed, you, whatever it is that you decide that you're going to do, like you leave or you hang up or you take some space from them or you. It's just the grieving. It's like, it's it's that part. That's just really fucking hard. Like I can have boundaries and all that stuff, but it's just like, it's the feeling your parents die. Like it's like grieving my childhood yet simultaneously, like grieving their lives, like as they're slowly dying while they're still alive, like to have already like lost them in many ways, you know, it's just very complicated. So. You know what just popped in my head? Have you ever thought of going back to step five in ACA? Because that's the grief step. And maybe because what we're grieving in that step is like the difference between what we could have had yeah, and what we actually got, which is profound. Mm-hmm. And maybe doing it for your parents. For, yeah. And kind of present day stuff too. Yeah. Right. You know, that might be healing for you. Yeah. That's a good idea. Um, so what do you want to promote? What are you excited about? What are you jazzed about? Oh, Black Friday special. So yes, the you tell. thing that I'm offering is a new group called the Guilt Free Guild. This is a twice twice monthly coaching group with me. It's a membership. So people can join for one month and drop out if it's not for them. But if it is, then they get to have like expert coaching from me in a group of other people going through the same thing as them. And then um, we're going to have an online, like a chat that we can have so we can connect and get support from each other. And um, during the times between meetings and the Black Friday special <clears throat> is that I have three things that if you sign up for this group on Friday, you get the ABCs of boundaries. So that's 26 tips for boundary setting, one for each letter of the alphabet. You get the boundary mm-hmm. bill of rights so that you can actually internalize. You get, you have the right to say no and have limits and set boundaries with other people without guilt and shame. And then the other is 23 scripts for setting boundaries. So you can take back your life. So it's both an audio Mm. saying it so you can hear how I say it and a PDF if you want to have it in text version. And I created those things exclusively for this black Friday special. You can't get them before and you can't get them after Mm. that. So um, if they go to um, guiltfreeguild.com. Guiltfreeguild.com. Okay, I'll put it in the show notes. If they go to that and they purchase and it's within the 24-hour period of uh, Black Friday, then they will automatically get those three bonuses. And I'm super excited because people have been wanting me to do something that's not like you sign up for 12 weeks or you sign up for eight weeks and there's a curriculum they want like more. It's not a support group. It's a coaching group, but it's, it's more like a support group than anything else I've ever done. So I'm super fucking excited about it. Well, that's awesome. You're doing amazing. Thanks Barb for doing this. I really appreciate it. Let it all go.